This is the Epilogue Audio Experience. And all that jazz. Welcome to the artists. As Godard said, you don't make a movie, the movie makes you. In our movie-making profession, the workings of Murphy's Law is always at its best. In these candid conversations, we unravel those challenges that define the makers in the movie-making business. Hope these chats will inspire and elevate you to keep fighting for your dreams, but with a mode of reality check on it. I'm your host, Suchita, and this podcast is brought to you by Metaphysical Lab. Enjoy the show. conversation with Melina Leon. Melina is a Peruvian director. She's based out of Lima and New York. Her first film, Song Without a Name, premiered at the Cannes Directors Fortnight 2019. And it also went on to win the Cinevision Award at the Munich Film Festival. Melina is an MFA film graduate from Columbia University and uh, her short film, Lily's Paradise made its international debut at the New York Film Festival, winning 11 awards at over 20 international festivals. It was such a pleasure chatting with Melina all the way from Lima. Song Without a Name is the first film by a female director from Peru to get screened at Cannes. Uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, how do you feel? Why do you think? Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's been overwhelming yes it's been beautiful mm-hmm. and terrifying at the same time Love, lovely <laughs> um, yes yes <laughs> um, yes we 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 really didn't think we could make it actually uh, for many many months um, I would say for for the whole year that it took us to to fin- to complete it after we shot the film mm-hmm um we we were we didn't have con in our minds mm-hmm. we were just thinking we should go to a good festival that's all mm-hmm. uh it's not like we we were just trying to not to have like a big I guess a big uh, <laughs> a disappointment or something maybe we were just protecting ourselves sure. but yeah in all honesty we, mm-hmm. we were not thinking we could make it so far but then uh we get accepted into this market in buenos aires argentina mm-hmm. it's called uh ventana sur mm-hmm. it's a um, window from the south i guess that's mm-hmm. the translation mm-hmm. um and we showed the film there in december last year and it, it began that market began to change things it's for it was for films that were not finished yet Mm-hmm. Uh, or almost almost finished, but not ready. And it began to change things because um, people were starting to to compliment the film a lot. Mm-hmm. So uh, when we got accepted to Cannes, it, it was of course a, a big emotional moment. Yes. Um, but uh, I think these months of preparation. Um, winning an award for post-production here in Lima, even before that, uh, Buenos Aires market, prepared us a little bit. Like, it, we, we began thinking, 
I would say around the end, I would say around December last year, we began to think that this was possibility, mm-hmm. that it, it wasn't uh, outside of uh, our reach. Um, so, yeah, it, it was like that. Why do I think um, I'm the first female director? Mm-hmm. I, I have no idea, to mm-hmm. be totally honest. Mm-hmm. There is filmmakers before me that have done excellent work and yeah they have attended fantastic festivals mm-hmm. um i guess i'm the lucky one that got the big prize <laughs> but uh but um yeah we are we are a number of filmmakers uh, i wish we were more um i guess um i guess uh the new wave of filmmakers, of female filmmakers, it's, um, I guess it's also true that it's newer. It's not like, um, it's not like we have, we had many female filmmakers like in the past, like that would be today around, uh, around their fifties or sixties or even seventies. I think it's more like there's a new wave of film make, female filmmakers that are nowadays are around th- their 30s, 40s. Yes. Uh, even in their 20s, we have a, a, a new a new voices also. Yes. Of young young female filmmakers. Yes. So uh, uh, yeah, and why why my film? I don't know. I, I think it, it we work so hard on it. Yes. And, uh, I think it has a lot to do. With the, we just received an award in Munich, and the jury was uh, congratulating a lot the work of Pamela Mendoza, the actress, mm-hmm. um, our lead actress. She's just this force of nature. Yes, I guess that's the only way to describe her her work. Um, so I think it speaks about my instincts as a director to have decided to search for a new actor, not somebody famous, like somebody somebody new that had all this, that had potential and but hasn't had not been discovered yet. So I went to um, these poor uh, neighborhoods in, in Lima to yeah. search for this actress. Uh, it speaks to that instinct of mine. And, but, um, Yes, it's it's Pamela's work that shines, and um, and and I'm really happy about that. The fact that um, I'm not only giving voice to Pamela's character, Georgina, yeah. yes, this peasant um, that comes to that has recently moved to the city mm. of Lima, mm-hmm. escaping violence in the Andes. Mm-hmm. We had a sort of civil war. Um, or internal war, let's put it that way, in, in the 80s in Peru um, between the state and this so-called terrorist group Shining Path. Mm-hmm. Um, so, And the worst part was taking place in the Andes. So, um, so we had a lot of migration from the Andes to the coast. Mm-hmm. So that's Georgina's setup. That's mm-hmm. our lead character's Mm-hmm. Uh, situation like maybe they had they have just moved to the city they have nothing she and her husband mm-hmm. um, so we're not only giving voice to her but 
uh, in parallel we're giving voice to this new actress mm. um, that in a way is interpreting the life of her mother because mm. her mother had to go through that yes she, she had to escape violence and war in the Andes and go through all this poverty mm. and uh, yeah start a new life from starting from zero uh, here in Lima and so it's it's like a double uh, process there yeah. I am very happy about the film industry in Peru uh, how developed is it in terms of the industry and what is the role of the female female technicians there wow that's <laughs> yeah that's a good question well it's a very tiny it's tiny compared to India to the states to Europe yes it's really really starting and this began this process of growing began um, I think a decade ago mm-hmm. more or less mm-hmm. uh, with this start of the, our Ministry of Culture mm-hmm. um, we didn't have one before before this it was just an office um, a film office um, that had very very tiny resources mm-hmm. I'd say at some point we were making zero films a year or one film a year mm-hmm. uh, at the lowest moment in our film history. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that was also due to the to the many crises that been that we have faced. Mm-hmm. But um, around a decade ago, um, we we I mean the the government created this um, Ministry of Culture, and since then I I feel like things. Um, improved a lot and uh, in spite of the fact that in so many places um, film offices are getting shut down like in Brazil mm-hmm. uh, in Chile mm-hmm. in Argentina they are losing funds mm-hmm. and they are the biggest in South America yes uh, it's, it's interesting to see that in Peru it's we're really experiencing the opposite it's still very fragile Mm-hmm. Um, we still we're trying to pass a new law mm-hmm. so that um, all this um, money that we have been receiving um, it's it's more formal like so we don't depend on um, luck basically yes. <laughs> what, whatever um, happens uh, with the national budget every year mm-hmm. we've been depending on on the um, politician uh, that would make these decisions or sim- simple luck. Mm. Uh, fortunately, as I said, in the past years we've been lucky and mm. it, it has grown. Mm-hmm. And it, this is due also to the you know, tremendous work of the people in this um, the office that belongs to the Ministry of Culture, the film office. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're trying to pass this new law, mm-hmm. but um, but you can see that it, it, films like mine and other many others um, are are a testament of of this uh, support of these uh, improvements. Yes, that we have seen. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And what about the role of the female technicians? Oh, the technicians. Uh, unfortunately, that's that's still 
very, very low. Hmm. There is no, we have seen an improvement, for example, in the juries. Mm-hmm. Like uh, not many years ago when I was applying to get funding, mm-hmm. and it took forever for me to get the funds yes. to make my move. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I started applying for these funds, mm-hmm. it was only male ma- uh, male juries. Mm-hmm. Um, I ca- at least like, I applied like three times to get these funds and mm-hmm. got denied. Mm-hmm. And I remember, yeah, and this happens once a year, so you can imagine it's a yes. real blow when, yes. you, when you lose. Yes. It's like you lose one year yes. of work. Um, and I remember... Uh, the, uh, to have faced male male juries many at least twice, mm-hmm. but uh, this has changed nowadays. They are worried about. They are always uh, trying to have parity, mm, same nice. number mm. female juries. Yes, mm. yes. Uh, this this has improved, but in terms of uh, the technicians, um, I still see that uh, it's mainly. Male dominated, mm-hmm. in particularly the area of photography. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's still really tough, mm-hmm. very very tough for directors of photography, female directors of photography, to to get a chance. Mm. Oh my uh, God! Okay. Mm. Yeah. Being a female director was it any different from being a director? What were the challenges? You could feel it in the air. This uh, first, uh, let's see. First, it was difficult to get the funding mm. because uh, I think it definitely has it had influence in the juries that deny me the funds. The fact that they didn't identify with a female director and a female protagonist. Mm. Maybe this was not a conscious decision, mm, yes. but uh, but I think it had it had a lot to do. Yes. with the fact that my funding was denied for so many years. Sure. That's in the beginning. And when I was shooting, uh, yes, there was a, a, a feeling in the set that um, I could hear comments, uh, for example, from some technicians saying that, oh, uh, into your like Intibriones is taking the lead in this project, things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sure wouldn't they? They wouldn't say yes. the same things to a male director. Yes. It was just because I was uh, a female director, and they'll think, "Oh, he's doing the job for her," yes. um, which was absolutely ridiculous. Yes, but <laughs> yes, yeah. and um, th- there is this idea that the director has to command and give orders. Um, and have everything clear, uh, perfectly picture clear in their minds. And when you talk and discuss ideas, it's like you're showing uh, somehow that you're weak, and yes. which is absolutely ridiculous. But yes. that idea is still prevailing. So in that regard, it was it was difficult. I, we had some tough moments with mm. male technicians mm. um, saying things, but. Fortunately, I I had Inti's back all the time, mm-hmm. the director of photography. Yes, yes. And he, he, I, I, I can, I can consider him. We can consider him a feminist. So <laughs> he is very aware of this um, small uh, practices of 
segregation, oppression, yes. yeah. or simply just patriarchy. Diminished mm. Patriarchy, yeah. exactly. He's mm. very aware. Mm. So right away we would confront um, a technician if mm. we would hear him talking in our backs, saying something, mm. we would right away, or he would right away uh, talk to them and ask Mm. Ask the question, why are you saying this? Mm. Why do you think this is any different from the way uh, we work yes. with some other directors? Yeah. And it, it would create some change. And towards the end of the film, I think our our group was very close, very tight together. Mm, nice. Um, but yeah, awesome. it, it takes, it takes uh, a lot of awareness and support Malina there has been a lot of talk about you know like we have been discussing this a lot in the podcast and otherwise as well uh, in our industry here about crafting your film to fit the design of a film festival when mm -hmm. you started working on song without a name uh, did the thinking process or the execution process get influenced by a festival design by a f no, not at all. Mm. Not at all. Mm -hmm. Not at all. We, yes. I, I, I definitely thought about that. Who wouldn't, right? Like, mm. um, if you want to have a career mm. uh, in filmmaking, definitely you dream to, to have this exposure and this um, acknowledgement of your work. Yes. It, op it opens doors. Um, and of course, the fact that you get exposed means that maybe, maybe the next project is not going to be so difficult to, to finance. Uh, but I, I think if if the film has some quality, is the quality of honesty. Yeah. Um, and I strive for that. I really fought for that. Lovely. Yeah. To, yeah. To to do something that comes from our hearts, not yes. mine, our yes. um, And so that, the, the first requirement was to forget about festivals and uh, all that. Yes. Acknowledging that, of course, we, we, we have uh, our... You know, dreams and uh, expectations, and I don't know, um, hmm. desire to 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 get exposed, but um, or to get uh, to show our work, but definitely not, definitely not. I I I did my best to yes. to just do the the most beautiful film yes. I could make yes. um, in every aspect. Photography-wise, yes. um, we even chose this modest frame, <laughs> four by three. Yes. Because uh, I think film is lacking that. In a way, it's four by three because that was the format of TVs in the 80s. Yes. And it's four by three because um, our characters don't have a horizon. So this was a way to trap them. Lovely, um, yes. But... Um, but also, it's a modest, um, it's a modest format, and and I think we're lacking that 
So it, mm. there is that component too. Mm. Also, because in, your in film, that. your film is in black and white. Uh, of course, that's a conscious decision to do a black and white film. Yes. Why, why was why why did you choose black and white? Besides giving yeah. it a certain amount of period look to it, but there must be more reasons to it. There is there is many many reasons to it uh, from aesthetic to practical reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't really planning to do this postmodern um, thing of you know uh, showing um, showing different sort of uh, art uh, from different times, mm-hmm. which I love. By the way, I just saw this film Angelo that do, is doing that. It's wonderful. Like mm-hmm. they are mixing things from the whatever it was the 18th century uh, with um, I would say a set design that corresponds to to these years hmm. um, and I find that fascinating but it was not my idea hmm. I, I wanted to to make a film the in which basically you you feel you you are transported to 1988 in yes. Peru, yes, and and to make it as as um, I don't know if as real as possible, yeah. but as um, close to my idea of what the eighties were or the memory of the eighties, and including uh, of course all. To you know, we needed to have all the elements belong to the 80s. To belong to yeah. that era, yes. era. Yes, exactly. So uh, I was afraid that if we were using color, we were going to have anachronisms. Yes, we we're going to make mistakes. In other words, yes, uh, according to this rule. Um, so yes, uh, black and white was a way to say. To be safer hmm. uh, with our modest budget, I I had heard a conference that Michael Haneke gave about white ribbon, and wow. he was saying one of the reasons why he chose black and white was that he was afraid that the colors were not gonna be accurate yeah. and heal. Yeah. So I figured this huge yeah. <laughs> director with this budget that he must have is concerned. I probably should learn from this experience and, yeah. and take the same um, approach mm-hmm. and awesome. it, it was really helpful and also the a very important reason was that um, the film is based on the memories of the newspapers in those years yes. and the photographs were still printed in, in black and white yes. in those days Yes, so that was another reason to to make it black and white, and also just, just very simple. That uh, it was very; those were really tough times, uh, times of uncertainty. Uh, and my memory of, of of those years it's it's bleak, so colorless. Yeah, so, awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, Melina, I'm going to come to your uh, creating pro- 
creating process uh, as well in terms of writing you're the writer you're the director and you are the editor of the film but just talking about writing and directing when you were writing the film i think you also have a co-writer if i'm not wrong yeah. uh, how did you separate thinking about executing while you were writing did you separate it or it was like integrated um it was integrated hmm. the the you mean the writing between us the co-writers no uh, uh, in just in your mind uh, as a director did how oh. did you separate yourself from a writer and a director oh, oh um i don't think i was i was i think let's put it this way hmm. at the very very early stages of writing hmm. i was just i wasn't thinking of directing I we we never talked talked about uh, or rarely we talked about shots that mm-hmm. we were thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, but towards when once the film started to to become more real, uh, mm-hmm. yes, I, I wasn't really making a, a separation. I was uh, as a writer, I was um, getting closer, much closer to to. Just imagine how it's gonna look and feel, and um, so I made changes to the script already thinking as a director. Hmm. Um, but yeah, at the very beginning, of course not. I, I we were just um, thinking about, about mm-hmm. the just the writing thinking, process. Mm. Just the writing mm. process. Uh, we were thinking about the characters. Mm. Um, what. How do 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 we did we imagine them? Hmm. Um, who who was on our mind uh, when we were thinking about Georgina? Um, these kind of things. Um, and uh, I was telling in the beginning. I was telling stories to Michael White, hmm. the co-writer, yeah. and he would put them on the paper. Hmm. He would write them down. Hmm. And then um, once we had a few drafts, uh, we changed. Uh, and then I would write because we reached a point where I think uh, he had not spent enough time in Peru. So I started to notice that he some scenes were... Uh, he was translating to translating the scenes to the U.S. So the the lowest uh, income uh, people in the U.S. Hmm. So he was just uh, imagining that and making it in Peru. Hmm. And I figured, okay, so I think Michael has reached its limit as a writer only because he has not spent enough time in Peru. Lovely. So hmm. we changed. Mm-hmm. We changed, and I I started to write, and mm-hmm. he he would read the the scenes and give me his feedback. Mm-hmm. Awesome, uh, Malina, you have also edited the film. Did you shoot yes. the film with editing in mind? Uh, that's one question. And second, yeah, uh, did you sort of uh, did you um, what do you think of a director also being an editor of the film? Yeah, it. it I I have been editing for a long time. Mm. That's that's a good thing. Yes. 
because uh, I was uh, really concerned about uh, the shooting aspects mm-hmm. of the film. Like that was to me the hardest in terms of the fact that it, it requires so many things like 50 technicians, 50 actors, yeah. all this money, all this scheduling. Yes. Uh, but uh, in my mind, I was never afraid of taking the shots and put them together because that's what I've been doing in a very small scale mm. uh, as an editor. Mm. I've been editing small projects only, um, but all kinds of work for many, many years. Yes. That's how I made a leap. So that was never really, that never worried me. Like hmm. so, then um, we were supposed to have an editor in Spain because we have a co-production. Yes, and we did. We went there. We spent time with Manuel Bauer, a wonderful editor. Yes, but then we ran out of time. He had to move on to other projects. Hmm. Um, also, that had to do with the budget. They only gave us like three months of editing, hmm. and we thought we were gonna finish, but we didn't. So. I, uh, I just uh, took the lead and hmm. continue in Peru. Hmm. At any point, did you feel that as an editor as well, you were sort of losing your perspective or somewhere you needed another perspective to come in? Uh, oh. uh, did you take feedbacks uh, while you did Absolutely. your first second? Hmm. Absolutely. Hmm. As, as a director, I totally needed that. Yes. So yes. I was editing, but I was showing the film all the time. And yeah. you know what was so helpful to me? Yeah. It was to show the film to um, foreigners. We okay. show the film to friends of Inti in Chile and friends of Inti in Brazil. Hmm. And, uh, and friends of mine also abroad uh, in the States. Hmm. Uh, our associate producers in New York, hmm. etc. Hmm. And they were really able to uh, give us a very sort of objective uh, opinion. Yes, that was so valuable. Yes, because uh, definitely, I it was hard for me to get rid of some scenes, and I found that many people in Peru were having the same issue because. Some of the scenes we ended ended up taking out were not necessarily bad. Yes. We're speaking to something. We're speaking about some sort of drama or uh, moment that was truthful. But, and therefore, our Peruvian uh, crowd, say, like uh, the people in Peru that were trained, uh, were giving us feedback, could not let them go. Because it was close to them. Yes. But yes, yeah. But when we show it abroad, they were able to see it more like as a work of art. They had the, the necessary distance. So when when I kept hearing in comments um, that that this or that scene were not really necessary, um, then you know it gave me the strength to cut <laughs> because yes. yes I, it, it's it's difficult. It's difficult, yeah. Uh, absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, Marina, tell me, how did you work on the visual design of the film? Uh, when did you start working on it? And 
how did you prepare yourself what were the kind of things that you do did you have references or uh, we did we did a couple well many things mm. like mm. Um, I was watching um, I wanted the film to have some sort of um, feel of terror mm. of mm. Um, terror films like um not in a very obvious way, but, um, you know, the background of the film is uh, the times of terrorism. Like, the main story is not about that. Like, Georgina's story, is, it's about her kid getting stolen by a mafia that had nothing to do with terrorism. Yes. Uh, but the, the main trauma of those years was that this group called Shining Path hmm. was... Um, Attacking uh, the city, the cities, the the the, the country, mm. everywhere by surprise, yes. and so there were bombs, and the government was as brutal as them. Uh, mm. They killed almost as many people as yeah. Shining Path did. Uh, so, but the word terror was in our vocabulary all the time. Yes. Um, almost like a theme. Almost like a theme, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so that, that definitely brought me back to those films of Fritz Lang or Bono. Yes. Uh, those awesome. early yeah. films yes. um, that were portrayed, that had this feeling of this atmosphere uh, of something oppressive and uh, some mysterious force that's um, like a shadow. Yes. Um, so it wasn't like shining, but more shadowy. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so so I, I was watching those, um, those early films, and then um, we were, of course, doing some research, um, with a, a student of mine that became a became my assistant director, mm-hmm. he he was uh, photocopying or scanning, or photographing all these newspapers from the era. Mm-hmm. So I was going back to the to something that used to be my everyday, because mm-hmm. my father was a journalist. Mm-hmm. So every day he would come home at night with the newspaper mm-hmm. uh, and the photographs were very explicit mm-hmm. so so I was basically collecting all those old pictures mm-hmm. um, and just going back and looking at them mm-hmm. and reflecting on them mm-hmm. uh, and then um, when Inti came on board he was always uh, uh, involved, but when he was able to to do, dedicate time to the film and uh, really watch films with me, we were watching Bellatar, for example. Yes, we were watching films by this Russian um, director that made. Uh, I it's hard to pronounce his name, but he made a film, uh, Loveless, mm. and Leviathan. Mm, yes, uh, yes, it's Andre, but. His last name is, is difficult. Yes. Jagin Sef, I think it is. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so, yeah, we were watching some early Bella Tarte, mm-hmm. um and just discussing um, in general our memories because Inti grew up here uh, yes. in Peru. Yes. Um, so we were just um, talking uh, not so much with him. We were not just not not just talking about very specific things of the design of the film, but we were talking about feelings. Lovely. Yes. Lovely. Uh, it's brilliant. Yeah. 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 So then, uh, when we visited the places, um, it, it, those are all, all of them are real places. Yeah. Where, so, um, it was just bringing memories back. Yes. And so it was very. I, I, it sounds like a cliche, but mm. I guess people use the word organic for a reason. It, yeah. Yeah. I, the, the locations we found are real locations. So when when I went with Inti, uh, for him it's just it was just bringing back the memories yeah. and putting all the emotions in the in the framings and uh, mise en scene. Um, but it was organic for sure because okay. we 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 made sure that every aspect that we had. Um, Selected and um, for for the film uh, before his arrival, uh, before the the DP's arrival, yeah. was as honest as possible, as truthful as possible. So, in that in that regard, it was very uh, harmonic. Awesome, like harmonic, yeah. Awesome, harmonic. Um, and organic and of course feelings i think these three words are brilliant uh tell me something malina building a community and supporter around your film how did you do that or did you do that yes um as we were waiting for funds yes because it it takes forever yes to hear back after you apply yes Uh, we didn't want to be just waiting around yeah uh, so I made a crowdfunding, mm-hmm. and I think that built some community uh, in Peru and at least in that stage in Peru and the United States because mm-hmm. I have spent more than a decade living in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I can say that I have uh, a community there as well. Um, as I, of course, have in Peru. Hmm. So when we created this crowdfunding, hmm. it was beautiful to see how these two two places were responding to us and um, were trying to help us in the best possible ways. And then, of course, um, when we were reaching the last stages, uh, we have found a beautiful community in, in France hmm. that uh, opened the doors with Cannes and Lux Box that took the film before Cannes. Um, it's a small company. In, yes. In in Paris, set in Paris, and so yeah, it's Peru, and well, in Peru, um, it's important to mention that um, the fact that we search for our actors in 
reallocations and we didn't distinguish between professional actors and natural actors. Yes. They were all treated the same way. We mm. do have a community here in Peru that um, is like the less favored people like coming from uh, the same places that we are portraying these uh, poor neighborhoods uh, that really support us because we started the film there. Not only shooting in, in, in those locations, but also hiring them um, and our star comes, our stars come from there yeah. so and the film even the script changed with their ideas and so I think that's that's the way we we've been able to create several communities and who knows and it keeps us expanding yes. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Melina, what is the way forward for uh, independent filmmakers globally? Uh, what is your advice after all the challenges that you have gone through in terms of funding and creating the film? My main advice would be um, it's not only persistence, yes. uh, but also uh, towards the end, once you have shot the film, a lot of people... Uh, will try to hurry you hmm. to to tell you it's time to premiere the film. Just let it go. Just <laughs> let's just show it. There's yeah. a deadline coming up. Yeah. Whatever it is. <laughs> yes. Berlin is coming up in two weeks. <laughs> so you must close the film. All these voices yeah. uh, can end up hurting the film. Awesome, I think yeah. with the best of the intentions. Of mm. course, nobody wants to hurt your film mm. if they think they, you know. But uh, but I think uh, it was really helpful for me to have the advice of um, my director of photography and producer, Inti, that had seen this happen many times. Yes. That films that are not ready get sent out and they get rejected. Yes. It's exactly that. They are not ready. Hmm. So you have taken all these years to make the film. <laughs> just, you know, just, just a few more months to mature. The, the editing is not going to hurt. And nobody's going to die if you submit your film to the next big festival. Yeah. <laughs> not, not one that happens in one day. Um, I'll, I'll say that's my big lesson, uh, that I've learned recently and I would love to share. That's brilliant. Yeah, that's an, I think that's a very important lesson because everybody keeps like shouting in your ears, finish the film. <laughs> oh my goodness, <laughs> from every, every corner of the world. Yes. People think they're helping you that way. <laughs> uh, but no, no. Yeah. True. Thank you so much, Melina, for your time. I hope to uh, see your film soon, uh, one of the festivals somewhere. And I'm so grateful you took our time to share your journey and your inspiration and your advice, which is relevant for all of us. Thank you, Melina. Thank you, Suchita. It's been a pleasure talking to you. You can also-
also subscribe to us on any of the 10 platforms that the podcast is currently on including iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Breaker, Radiocast and you can even follow us on our Twitter handle Metaphysical Lab and you can connect to me on my LinkedIn as well and I'll see you guys next week have a great weekend bye bye Thank you.